Is it reasonable to think you can reason your way to God? Dr. Michael Gleghorn helps you to consider how reason can lead to God, now on Probe. In 2019, the Christian philosopher Josh Rasmussen published a little book with the intriguing title, How Reason Can Lead to God, A Philosopher's Bridge to Faith. Rasmussen earned his Ph.D. in philosophy from the University of Notre Dame and currently teaches philosophy at Azusa Pacific University. The book, dedicated to Rasmussen's skeptical friends, aims to mark out a pathway that can inspire a greater vision of the ultimate foundation of everything. Now, admittedly, this is a tall order, and it leads Rasmussen into some deep philosophical waters. Still, he claims to be writing for a broad audience of truth-seekers, and he has largely managed to make the book accessible to the educated layperson. One reviewer characterized the result of Rasmussen's effort as both an original presentation of cutting-edge philosophy of religion and an engaging personal invitation to reason one's way to God. Now, I realize that some of you may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not interested in such heady things as this. But do you know someone who is? Perhaps a son or daughter? A spouse or co-worker? If so, you'll want to keep listening, for this may be just the sort of thing they need. Rasmussen wrote the book for those who need to think their way carefully through the issues. The sort of person who is not content to dodge difficult questions. Several philosophers have praised Rasmussen's efforts. Robert Coons of the University of Texas at Austin describes the book as winsome and engaging, drawing the reader into a thrilling adventure of the existence and nature of reality's ultimate foundation. And J.P. Moreland of Biola University compares the study with C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity and claims that Rasmussen's argument for God is developed with such precision and care that, quite frankly, it could not be improved. With praise like this for Rasmussen's book, I hope you'll agree that it's worth our time and effort to take a deeper look at its contents. What is Rasmussen's argument for God? How does he develop it? Why does he refer to it as a bridge to faith? What sort of materials does he use in constructing his bridge? We'll begin our inquiry tomorrow in the same place that Rasmussen does, with the deceptively simple observation that something exists. You've been listening to Probe with your host, Dr. Michael Gleghorn. To get his transcript on Josh Rasmussen's book, How Reason Can Lead to God, go to probe.org. That's probe.org. Then join us next time as we reclaim and proclaim the truth, God's truth, here on Probe. This week, we're discussing Christian philosopher Josh Rasmussen's book, how Reason Can Lead to God. Yesterday we introduced the book, and today we want to begin by considering the book's subtitle, A Philosopher's Bridge to Faith. What sort of bridge is this? As you might expect, since Rasmussen is a philosopher, this is a bridge of reason. But it has an interesting destination. It leads not to skepticism, but to faith. Rasmussen constructs his bridge very carefully. He wants every step in his construction project to be reasonable. In order to accomplish this, he seeks to use quality materials and first-rate tools. His materials are statements that anyone can see are clearly true. His tools are rules of logic. By carefully selecting his materials and conscientiously using his tools, he constructs a bridge of reason that leads to a special treasure. Rasmussen begins his project with the claim that something exists.
Although few will object to such a claim, some may still have doubts. After all, what if everything you think you experience is just an illusion? Well, in that case, the experience of your illusion exists. Moreover, you exist. If you didn't, you couldn't have any doubts about reality. In order to have such doubts, you must first exist. Thus, Rasmussen's first claim that something exists seems quite secure. Next, Rasmussen bundles every existing thing, of whatever sort, into a comprehensive whole, which he aptly dubs the blob of everything. This blob includes every existing thing, the totality of reality. Since every existing thing is included in the blob of everything, there is nothing outside or beyond it. It is everything. Hence, the blob cannot have its cause or reason for being in anything outside it. For of course there isn't anything outside the blob of everything. Now this is strange. My car, cat, and computer were each created by causes beyond themselves. My car had a car maker. My cat had parents. But something about the blob of everything isn't like this. It has what Rasmussen calls a foundational layer that doesn't depend on anything outside itself for its existence. We'll consider the nature of this foundation more carefully tomorrow. This week we're considering Josh Rasmussen's book, How Reason Can Lead to God. Yesterday we noticed an interesting feature about what Rasmussen calls the blob of everything. Because this blob is made up of everything that exists, it can't be explained by appealing to anything outside or beyond itself. After all, there isn't anything outside the blob of everything. And hence, there isn't anything outside the blob that could cause or explain its existence. What are we to make of this? Notice first that since the blob includes everything that exists, it includes many things that depend on other things for their existence. For example, the blob contains things like weasels, watches, and waffles, and each of these things depend on other things for their existence. Baby weasels depend on mommy and daddy weasels. Watches and waffles depend on watch and waffle makers. But notice, not everything in the blob can be like this. After all, if everything in the blob depended on something else for its existence, then we would have a serious problem. For the blob of everything does not depend on anything else for its own existence. Attempting to build such a blob using only dependent materials, that is, materials that depend on something outside themselves for their existence, would commit what Rasmussen calls a construction error. One cannot construct an independent, self-sufficient reality, like the blob of everything, using only dependent parts. That would be like trying to construct a black steel pipe using nothing but toothpaste. No matter how much toothpaste you have, you will never construct a black steel pipe with such materials. So here's the problem. The blob of everything includes many things with a dependent nature, like weasels, watches, and waffles. At the same time, the blob, as a whole, depends on nothing outside itself for its existence. How is this possible? Clearly, the blob must contain some special ingredient that does not depend on anything else for its existence. Rasmussen calls this ingredient the foundation. It has an independent, self-sufficient, necessary nature. It's the sort of thing that must exist, no matter what. It must therefore be eternal, without beginning or end, and provide an ultimate foundation for everything else. We'll explore this further tomorrow.
This week we're considering Josh Rasmussen's book, How Reason Can Lead to God. Yesterday, we saw that what Rasmussen calls the blob of everything, the totality of all existing things, must include a special ingredient, namely, a foundation that is self-sufficient. This foundation doesn't need a cause for its existence. It exists on its own. It's the sort of thing that must exist, that cannot not exist. And for this reason, the foundation must be eternal. That is, it must have always existed. Finally, it must also be powerful. But why? Well, consider first that power exists. Rasmussen observes that there are only two ways of explaining this. The first suggests that power came into existence from nothing. The second says that power is eternal and has always existed. Which way is more reasonable? Well, suppose that power came into existence from nothing. The difficulty here is that something cannot come from nothing without a cause. And if there isn't anything, then there cannot be a cause. Moreover, we must remember that nothing is not anything. It is the absence of anything. It thus has no potential to produce anything. It has no power or potential because it isn't anything. Something cannot come from nothing, then, because nothing has no power or potential to produce anything. Thus, Rasmussen claims that reason itself drives us to suggest a power that exists on its own, by its own nature. In other words, since power exists, and since it can only come from something powerful, there must be an eternal power. That is, there must be a power that has always existed. This power never became powerful. It has always been powerful. Fortunately, this conclusion agrees with reason, unlike the view that power came from nothing. Rasmussen sums it up this way. The foundational power is eternal. Now this is quite astonishing. By thinking very carefully and following the light of reason, we have arrived at a foundation of all reality that is independent, self-sufficient, necessary, and eternally powerful. But we can go even further. By considering some of the things that the foundation has produced, we can learn even more about its nature. We'll consider this tomorrow. This week we've been considering Josh Rasmussen's book, How Reason Can Lead to God. Beginning with the simple and undeniably true statement that something exists, we have watched Rasmussen carefully construct a bridge of reason that has led, so far, to an independent, self-sufficient, eternally powerful foundation of all reality. But Rasmussen goes still further. For if this foundation is the ultimate source of all other things, then we can learn something about the nature of the foundation by considering some of what it has produced. For example, it is doubtless true that one of the most important things the foundation has produced is you, a human being. But what sort of thing are you? And what might this tell us about the foundation's nature? Rasmussen examines four aspects of human beings that reveal some important characteristics of the foundation. First, human beings have minds. We are not like rocks, papers, or scissors. We are self-conscious beings, aware of our own existence. We can think, feel, make plans, and work to accomplish them. Second, we have bodies. We are not disembodied minds, souls, or spirits. There is a complex physical and physiological dimension to our being. Third, we are moral agents. We experience a moral dimension to our existence. We sense that some things are good and that others are evil. 
we recognize that it is good to be kind to other persons and bad to harm them. Finally, we are rational agents. We can see or discern certain logical and mathematical truths. For example, we can see that two plus two equals four, and that nothing is both true and false at the same time. If we ultimately depend for our existence on a self-sufficient and eternal foundation, then what might this tell us about that which brought us into being? Although the details will have to wait for next week, the various characteristics of human beings mentioned above point to a certain mind-like aspect of the foundation. Indeed, we might even say that these characteristics reveal a foundation with mental, moral, rational, and even personal attributes. Our goal for next week then is to consider each of these characteristics in greater detail, showing how each one plausibly leads to a personal foundation of existence.